Welcome to the show. I'm Aristotle Full Throttle, and here we are. How's this song go? Anybody like Allison Chains out there? I'm Aristotle Full Throttle. This is the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. Five days a week, we do this show. We hang out. We talk about movies. We talk about entertainment, things in the news, also about life. I mean, last Friday, if you were listening, we were talking about all kinds of tragedies. If you like tragedies, welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about movies. Movies? Do they suck now or nah? Are movies good? Are we are we liking movies, how, how movies are? I'm enjoying them. Some people are out there like, movies today are terrible. And I'm like, really though? Are they terrible or are you enjoying yourself at the booth? I, this, the cinema is suffering, but is it? I don't think so. My opinion is that movies will always, there will always be terrible movies. There will always be good movies. And you can choose to see which one you want to go see. You can choose whichever you want. It's about choice. If you want to go to the movies and watch a big blockbuster movie, you can go ahead and do that. If you don't, that's your prerogative like Bobby Brown taught us. Bobby Brown taught us that. Do you remember Bobby Brown? What one of the greats? One of the greats, I tell you, he was one of the new additions to the, the world. I still can't play it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. If you have any requests, put them in the comments. Otherwise, to ask, answer me this, riddle me this, bat woman: Is the movies bad? Are we watching bad movies? Are all movies terrible now? Because people seem to be out there. Drumming, oh, the superhero movies are taking over and everything is a superhero movie and everything sucks and everything is terrible. And I'm like, but is it though? Because they're making pretty good movies. Every, you know what the outlier was? The outlier was all the independent films of the late 90s. That was the outlier. I'm just saying. Chiroptera says now it's harder to find good movies because the highly driven movies have bigger marketing budgets. But it doesn't make I, okay. Listen, this is the argument. I, the argument is that the corporate corporations. I watched this guy yesterday. He was talking about it. I'll play it for you. I'll play his what he said for you. And I didn't like it at all. I was just like, this guy is pretentious. He's got big glasses and he's doing all these hand motions. So he's trying to be like, look at me. I know movies. I just don't think that. I think that every era in movies. People are always like, things used to be better. <laughs> I think you and I, Corrupter, had this conversation. Things used to be way better than they are. And I'm just like, things are constantly changing. Things are constantly transient. There's always good and there's always bad. But we seem to remember the good stuff. That's why we go, it was way better in the 90s or whatever with the music and the rock and roll and this and that. But then you listen to If you were to listen to any radio station randomly in the 90s, you would hear all kinds of garbage. All kinds of garbage that we've filtered out over the decades. So, because the stuff that stuck around got played a lot more, it stays around, and uh, that's what happens. Corruptor also says good ones are pushed further down the list of streams to people that less exposed to them. But... Listen to this, though. Cinema. Going to the movies, is this what's more important? Because cinema is not suffering. I think a lot of less, there are a lot of smaller movies that maybe can be made in different budgets. People find a way. It's like Jeff Goldblum says. Movies find a way. There will be a way 
to make a movie that people want. If people really want to make a movie, if it really wants to be seen, and if it's actually good, it'll turn out good. I actually watched everything all the time, everywhere, all every single second, everywhere, everything all at once. I watched that movie, and uh, it was low budget. It was so low budget, it actually shot most of the movie in a building that I used to work in a lot working on movies. It's a, it's an empty office building that they just use as a set for myriad Hallmark movies. Anytime you see anybody in an office in a Hallmark movie, they're in this building and they're also in everything, everywhere, all over the time movie. Uh, and so I was watching that movie going, well, they made the movie on a budget because they had this one location probably for about two, three weeks. I can't imagine working in that building for two or three weeks at a time. Cause I've worked in that building for two or four, two to three, four days at a time, five days at a time. Cause they do all, it's the most for me as a set photographer, working on those sets on those days, the longest, most boring days of work, <laughs> even though, even though I love making movies so much. And when I'm ever I'm on set, I'm like, yeah, there's no place I'd rather be other than on a stage rocking out. But I think I'm going to figure out how to play this, but before the end of the hour, um, that's Alice Jane's song. So what I'm saying is they, they were able to make this movie. People seem to really like it. It's a, you know what it's doing? It's promoting really good scripts. People, everything creates a, a pressure. If big budget movies are the ones that are getting shoved down our throats that everybody's going to see, people are going to go keep seeing them. If you don't want to, and guess what? It's going to change. It's going to change again. It's going to keep changing and keep changing and keep changing because every decade people are like, ah, oh, what are these horrible soap opera movies? Everybody's going to see a soap opera movie. What are these horrible, every, every decade? The outlier, like I said, was the, all of the independent films of the 90s that were, people were able to start to make their own films because of the, the technology and, and the education and the promotion of your own and then people were looking around for more and more uh types of uh smaller films but the same thing is with if you've got musicians you know everything is going to be like there's only like there's only about a hundred bands there's only or groups at a time that anybody can have a band with to pay attention to you just go down it's like a top 40 that's why it's even the top 40 because it's the only amount of music that people can seem to consume at once 40 artists the top 40 might have only about 25 artists which is crazy 30 artists chiropter says people need to put way more effort into finding the good movies so they assume that they don't exist people also use to find uh things by word of mouth now less communicative yes this is true however we've got stuff like spotify for music where you can find more and more music. We've got Shudder, which is for horror films, which you can find. Anybody can make a horror movie now that's being watched on Shudder because people will be like, I'm paying for Shudder. I'm going to watch any piece of garbage that's on there. <laughs> so you could say that there's, you could say that there's less opportunity. I, I don't know. I don't, I disagree. I think that there's more of everything and what gets sifted through is found, and and it gives more opportunity for smaller films to be seen. I think smaller films are being seen now more than ever. That's my that's my take. I don't think that uh, that big Hollywood movies are the problem. I think corporations work like corporations do. They just maximize profit and minimize loss. 
They just go, maximize profit, minimize loss. How do we maximize the profit and minimize the loss? By maximizing profit and minimizing loss. So what they're going to do is supply the demand. Uh, if people want to keep seeing these movies on a big screen with excellent sound and excellent picture and excellent, you've got all kinds of artists that are employed by these big Hollywood budget movies. You've got all kinds of people who are working full time for a year, for two years on a big Hollywood budget. All kinds of artists that are graduating art school and are getting a job on a movie. There's all kinds of ways that this is not bad. <laughs> and people are going to say, the smaller films won't exist. They will. People will make film movies on their iPhone, like Olivia Wilde. People will make movies. People have a, have had their iPhone movies accepted to like the Cannes Film Festival. So I don't. I just don't agree that uh, the big Hollywood budget movies are the problem. I think they are always. They've always been there. They always will be there. There will always been good movies, and there will always be terrible movies. There will always be good blockbuster movies, and there will always be terrible blockbuster movies. I don't make the distinction between blockbusters and uh, smaller films. I will see a smaller film because I have agency, and I could choose to do that. I could also see a, a Hollywood movie because I have agency, and I could choose to do that. I think people complaining about uh, the marketplace, <laughs> the people dictate the marketplace. The people. Just like Soylent Green. Almost. I'll do it real slow. Aristotle full throttle practicing guitar. Um, that reminds me of a song by. Uh, there's another song on that album, Alice in Chains. It's a uh, what's it? Oh. What do you guys think? Do movies suck now? movies and i will like good movies and i will like bad movies and uh and if there's a good movie that's small movie then cool i'll enjoy that too i just don't think that uh hollywood i think going to the theater the experience of going to the movie theater has changed epically in the last 20 years we can see imax movies we can see gigantic 
beautiful, beautiful sound, beautiful picture, incredible experience, theater going experience. The giganticness of watching a movie at that scale is not paralleled. Uh, and if I am to go to the movies, I would like to be thoroughly immersed, thoroughly entertained personally in a spectacle at that size. And I have no qualms, no problems with watching a gigantic movie that took $200 million to make and is good because a filmmaker like Taika Waititi makes that movie. And then I'm going to go follow him, his directing career. I'm going to watch his next small movie. I'm going to go watch Jojo Rabbit because Taika directed that after he directed Thor Ragnarok. I'm going to go watch those movies. I'm going to say, I like that director. He directed a movie that's gigantic. Now I'm going to go watch everything he does because I enjoyed that gigantic movie. Just when someone has a splash hit as a musician, you're going to go now do a deep dive into their catalog and listen to all their music. Here to Dink says, movies only suck if a person is too lazy to search out new outlets and creators. Yeah, and I don't think that people... I think that stuff like, you know, it's... The equivalent is Spotify. Now, going to the movie... If we're talking about going to the theater... I am not necessarily going to go to a theater at this point because of the technology that's been born since. We've got gigantic 85-inch TV screens and surround sound systems that provide a, almost a near-theater-going experience from home, which is fine. I do like the collective consciousness. I do like the, the collective dream-going ex experience that a movie is with a bunch of other people in the dark all experiencing the same dream together like the same fantasy, the same suspension of reality. I do enjoy that aspect of going to the movies, but I could do that at home now, which is fine. And, I, you know, people are making that point. Let me find this guy talking about it, and we're, I'm going to comment, and I'm going to tear him apart. He's a filmmaker, though. He's a filmmaker. and But I just think he's got, like, this pretentiousness and this obtuseness that just really, it's, it's mainly his glasses. No, I, I I'm wanted to theatrical talk. is essential. If you look at the streaming movies that do the best, they are the movies that come out in theaters first. So that should tell you something. But, you know, I think the movie business made a critical mistake. And really, business. it was not a recent mistake, but a big mistake. To think of it as, this film did not make a ton of money, thus we don't make that film. This film will make a ton of money, thus we make that one. A very strict balance sheet equation. This guy is simply describing the corporation mentality, which has existed since corporations existed. How many times do I say on this show, only, a corporation only exists to maximize profit and minimize loss? That's it. They don't care. Doesn't matter. Whatever it takes to maximize profit and minimize loss. And he's like, the movies seem to be doing that. It's like, they've literally always done that. <laughs> the movie business is 120 years old. It's been doing it for 120 Why years. Why is that a mistake? You'd think, that's a no-brainer. That's an M Any first-level MBA guy or woman or whatever should know that. Here's what happened. And you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. This guy seems like he's such when a narcissist. When you make it's annoying. movies that only make a ton of money and they're only one kind of movie, you begin to get a large segment of the population out of the habit of going to the movies. And then you begin to eliminate 
the importance of movies culturally. You lose when you are so quarterly. Do we, though, or do movies reflect the culture at the grandest scale? I disagree. Point to point that this guy's making. Are we actually eliminating the value of movies in the culture, or is the culture eliminating the value of movies? Isn't culture reflecting what culture wants? Isn't culture into gaming? Isn't video gaming bigger than the movie industry? Yes. Gaming is a thing that's been basically the last 30, 40 years, and now, as far as home video gaming, and uh, it's bigger than the movie industry. People want to stream games. They want to play games. They want to live in that type of fantasy and share that kind of reality. Here to Dink says, I go to these animator collective mm -hmm. viewings called Malt Adult. Their viewing is similar to a 30-person movie theater, and it always bonk is it's, it's always bonkers and my brains with it always bonkers my brains with creative innovations. Yes, what needs to happen and what always does in the case of stagnation is innovation. And every time it, this is going to happen. Guess what, guys? If we're, we feel stagnant and the world is uh, going to be giving us the same thing over and over again, we are going to be changing that. Movies are, came along 120 years ago or so. Something else bigger will come along that shares... Uh, it's a met, more of a meta experience. Maybe we're talking about VR movie-going experiences now. Use the, I think, the big brain vision to say, look, I have no problem with a comic book movie. I have seen excellent ones made. I think Tim Burton's second Batman is a beautiful movie. And I don't like it. I don't like Tim Burton's second Batman as much. Oh, Pfeiffer's brilliant in it. I think what Chris Nolan does, and my friend Matt Reeves certainly is. My friend Ollie made a point. He's like, I like comic book movies, cites only Batman movies. Did the deep dive with his Batman film. So I know that there are things that can be done in the genre. That's not an argument saying all comic book movies are terrible and they shouldn't be made. No, of course they should be made. The slate, though, the fact that it is no longer broad-based for theatrical by the studios means that they have forced a smaller and smaller and smaller segment of the population to like it. I'm going to make him an offer refuse. And you know instantly what movie that is. Yeah, that's The Godfather. Also, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. We also instantly know where that movie's from. Right. You cannot quote me a single line from Aquaman. You right. can't. Because he thinks Aquaman is the standard for, for uh, comic book-based movies and fantasy movies. Aquaman. So, so what does that mean? It means the cultural... Let me quote you a line from Aquaman. Yeah! And the Academy Awards, they know it. Yeah. They sit around and they say, why is the viewership? Why is it going down? Yeah, yeah. It's going down because we did not make the investment in the broad-based engagement with the product. I know, okay, I know, maybe a movie that was made, you know, an Ang Lee movie, Ice Storm, maybe that didn't make a billion dollars, but... You know what? It maintained broad-based interest. Exactly. Really? So we've got to force it back. And you know what? The studios... This is like pretense up to wazoo. Get out of here with your glasses. Should be willing to lose money for a couple of years on art film divisions. This guys he's doing hand motions and everything. I, I believe him. And in the end, they will be happier. Because it'll come back. I, that's what I think.
And that's what's here. Uh, that, James Gray. That's the guy, James Gray. Uh, James Gray? Uh, it sounds like you're maybe a little got a chip on your shoulder. Maybe uh, you got to like uh, lighten up a little bit. M- movies are fun. They're fun. <laughs> we enjoy movies because they're fun. And we go to the movies because they're fun. Always have. <sighs> Always will. If they're not fun anymore, we won't go anymore. Just shut up. <laughs> just it's very so it's so stupid because every time like especially when a new medium comes along I, I majored in communications in colleges film studies and production and um this is one of the first things you learn in communications 101 uh when print came along people were mad that storytelling was gonna go away did storytelling go away no when uh when radio came along people were like people are gonna stop reading books did they? Maybe a little bit, but now we've got a new medium. We've got a new way of sharing information. We have a new technology of sharing information. Then that when records came along, people like stopped listening to radio. When people, when TV came along, people were going to stop buying music. We do. We we still read the paper, sort of. We still read print. Print is dead, according to Egon Spangler. But we still listen to the radio if you want commercials. But we've got satellite radio now. We've got Spotify. We still use all of these forms of media. Still do. They still exist. They exist side by side. So, get off your high horse. Get off your cross. We'll need that to nail the next one. That's a song by a uh, tool. That's called Eulogy. I'm just saying, get over yourselves. Movies, make a good movie, we'll go see it. (laughs) Make a good movie, we'll hear about it. Uh, Make a good movie, it will pop up on Netflix or Amazon or HBO on a splash screen. And then we'll go, (laughs) I just had water dripping out of my beard. Uh, And we'll, we'll click on it. You see what I'm saying? That's a good, uh, that's a good song. You guys have any requests, let me know. I'm happy to play them. If you guys think movies are dead, or if you think that, um, Hollywood or corporations, (laughs) suddenly, suddenly these things called corporations are making these big budget movies that everyone wants to go see, it turns out. 
Uh, I'm tired of movies being remade over and over, says Veronica Forte. Yes, this is an interesting thing. Movies today, you're going to bet on... Corporations are going to only bet on proven com- uh, commodities. They're not going to... Christopher Nolan is the only one making movies at this scale, at the $100 million scale. He still has to make it only $100 million instead of 200 He's the only one making original idea movies that are blockbusters. Um, the next movie he's going to come out with is called Oppenheimer. And it's about uh, the dude who invented the atomic bomb. It's going to be played by Killian Murphy. I can't wait to see that movie. But Christopher Nolan is the only guy who's doing it. But every other property, 95% of movies or 96% of movies are based on some former format story. Like comic books, movies, TV shows, sequels, um, remakes of movies. But you know what? People are going to see them. When people get tired of it, the, the market will change. When people get tired, this is what happened in the 90s with music. You got this one grunge band called Nirvana comes out of there, out of Seattle. And then they just go to try to find every grunge band that's doing something a little bit weird and a little bit different. So once someone breaks through with some off the beaten path type of story, off the beaten path type of original thought or idea, you better believe that people are going to come out with a million different types of original thought movies. But, you know, the mid-90s was a interesting breeding ground for that. Also, the early 80s. The early 80s was really fascinating because you had a lot of movies that had ridiculous special effects and also just completely outlandish storylines. I don't know, like Big Trouble in Little China. I love that movie. It's low budget, but it's crazy. It's fun. It's got Kurt Russell. It's directed by uh, John Carpenter. It's so good. It's ridiculous. And then there's the Goonies. There's all kinds of movies at E.T. There's the Alien movies. It's because, be, it's because screenwriting, I think, was probably perfected around the time of The Godfather. The whole art of making a movie was maybe the 70s. And then... And then they started to be more inventive with their ideas about movies after Star Wars came out, after the movie Jaws came out. There was such big concepts. There were such big concepts that they can now actually execute on screen. So now we could go, hey, how about an alien befriends a child, and then we're just going to make him talk to the alien the whole movie or whatever. Now we could do that. We could do that in a convincing way that the audience will buy. So people became more and more invested in fantastical types of strange storylines. And then uh, then there was a break from that in the 90s. There was these weird, really weird, gritty, down-to-pulp fiction type of movies where there were like these dark stories and then we followed and then we kind of did that for a while and then we went back to after iron man these gigantic after the avengers after the success of the avengers probably the success of spider-man 2 and spider-man like sam raimi's spider-mans and the x-men movies were never quite good they were never as good anyway if you like an x-men movie let me know which one it's logan uh why is this buzzing i'm buzzing I just don't think I just don't think that it's such a a big deal that you can kind of see whatever movie you want. There's all kinds of movies, all kinds of places on all different platforms. If you want to go to the movies to see a smaller film, there you can go to your multiplex that's showing 20 movies. I'm sure there's a showing that day. Have some agency. 
Why don't you change it? Why don't you go out to the movies when you want to see a movie? Instead of being like, oh, I'm too tired to go to the movies. I blame corporations. I'm going to go see Top Gun this weekend. Veronica Forte says, did you know the story behind why Spider-Man is made every two or three years? Do you know about the Marvel and I think Sony contract? As long as Sony makes a Spider-Man movie every five years, they permanently have ownership over the Spider-Man Marvel brand. Yes, I do know this. I do know this about that and also the Fantastic Four. So they need to make a Fantastic Four pretty soon. I think it's every six years. If they do not take the option to make a Fantastic Four movie, I believe Sony also owns Fantastic Four. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's Fox. They have an option to... they, They said, hey... We will make a Fantastic Four movie every four years or every five years, six years, seven years, eight years. <laughs> I don't know. We will make one. We will, in order to keep the option to keep making them. And if we don't, then you get the the rights back. So this is why, yes, there's a Spider-Man movie. And you've got to, I guess, be called. It can't just be the character, I think being featured in a movie it has to be an actual spider-man titled film and it was interesting because of spider-man with sony teaming up with disney and captain america civil war finally getting spider-man into the universe into the avengers universe because he's probably the most popular comic book uh, character in history so yes spider-man you got uh the fantastic four has to be made every and then i believe it was uh roger roger corman in the early 90s and mid-90s, made a terrible Fantastic Four movie that was never released just so he can continue licensing <laughs> the option to make Fantastic Four movies. It had uh, Jay Underwood in it, the boy who could fly. Dog Sildenist Dallas says, yeah, all, mo- all new movies suck. See, that's the attitude that I think... I think... What happens is everybody says all new things suck all of the time. And then sooner or later, new things become old things. And then everybody's like, it used to be better when I was a kid. (laughs) Let me just give you something that might blow your mind. People who grew up with the Star Wars prequels think that they are better than the original movies. Now, try to wrap your brain around that. So what you got to say is, hey, maybe everything is relevant to the time it comes out maybe i mean listen those kids are wrong about the star wars prequels they're totally wrong in fact they're uh, they're abysmally reprehensibly wrong about that clearly they don't understand how movies work if they think that attack of the clones is better than the empire strikes back they better go find themselves a new brain but the point is we always think that new stuff sucks and the old stuff was better. But the what I'm urging people to do is look around and find the good stuff. If we actively look around, there's some good stuff out there. If You, you will find it. I promise you. <laughs> Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, says here to Dink. I agree. I agree. I think that nostalgia is why we have a nostalgia-powered culture right now. And this is my theory on that. Let me tell you, like to hit, hit, go. In the 80s, VHS, video cassette, came out. And the reason, there was two formats that were ruled in the market. There was Betamax by Sony and then VHS. And the reason why VHS beat out Betamax, by the way, 
is because Sony refused to put pornography on Sony Betamax. And that's why Sony, Sony Betamax never survived the battle of the formats. It's true. Look it up. Um, but there would be, there would be hardcore people who'd be like, so to speak, pun intended, there would be people who was like, yeah, well, Sony Betamax was a superior format. I'm like, yeah, but though, hey, it was again, it used to be better when it was Sony Betamax. Uh, I have a friend who always adopts terrible technology. <laughs> if you want to predict the technology that will succeed, buy whatever the opposite of what my friend buys. Because <laughs> every, every year he's like, yeah, TurboGrafx-16 is the way of the future. And I'm like, I think Nintendo, I'm going to stick with Nintendo. <laughs> he's like, mini disc, And I'm like, uh, maybe I'm going to stay with CD, CDs and then move over to streaming. I'm going to go LimeWire on that one, bro. HD DVD. Yeah, Blu-ray sounds cooler though, right? Am I right? No, HD DVD is better. So anyway, there's a thing called VHS. And what happened for the first time is that people could actually purchase a movie that came out in the theater the year before and watch it at home and watch it as many times as they wanted to watch it without having to leave the house. They could watch E.T., like my sister, every single day, twice a day, for two years. They could watch the movie E.T., over and over again, and The Little Mermaid. So what happens is, you're a kid, you watch the same movie over and over again, you're comforted by that, so you want to see it again as an adult because it reminds you of being a kid because it's nostalgia. So the reason why I think culture right now is so super nostalgia-powered is because we all grew up watching DVDs of the movies that we liked over and over again. So what we want is more of that. We want more of the same. If I watched, you know, Star Wars a million times as a kid, which I did, now I want I want more new Star Wars. Give me that feeling that I got from the original Star Wars, but you can't do it. You can't replicate it. That's the problem. That's the problem, I think. You know, but now that's why I think certain things like comic book movies work, because if you grew up reading a comic book in a certain format, and then you change it to the movie format, now you can experience it in a different way, but also for the first time. And also it has nostalgia. You know, the same thing with TV series that become movies. Um, sequels of movies. It's like, oh, well, Top Gun Maverick is coming out. Top Gun came out in like, what, 87, 88? 89? I don't even know. But now there's a sequel coming out. Because we want more of it. Give me more shirtless dudes playing volleyball on the beach. Also... Fighter jets. Uh, Deline says HD DVD was logical. <laughs> so you're still gonna fight that fight. All right, die on that hill. That's okay. Deline says, uh, yeah, well, Chuck E. Cheese was better when it was showbiz. Chuck Entertainment Cheese, are you talking about? You have an HD DVD of Children of Men. I bet you also have the laser disc of Star Wars. I mean, if you do, bring it in. Bring it into school so we can watch it. Like my eighth grade history teacher did. 
Remember in school when they would just let you watch movies? Like you'd be in school and they'd be like, you guys want to watch Never Ending Story? <laughs> All right. Hey, anybody here want to watch Karate Kid? I know we're supposed to be learning stuff. But, you know, in this you learn how to paint the fence and wax on, wax off. So how about that? <laughs> Uh, I think that um, The Karate Kid is good. That's a good movie. I can't wait for season the next season of uh, Cobra Kai. Actually, I got to finish watching the last season of Cobra Kai, and the next season comes out in September. I got to get ahead of it. I got to catch up on Better Call Saul, all of those things. Those were sub days, silly. Sub days? Sub, like, sub sandwich? Submarine? How's that go? Um, movies in school. Oh, yeah, that was a substitute teacher. That's right. Oh, we got a sub today. Yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah, our teacher doesn't make us do that. <sighs> Remember, they would wheel in the TV. I bet you every classroom. I haven't been in a classroom in forever, so I'm sure every classroom already has a giant, giant flat screen on the wall. But uh, when they would wheel in that TV, you were like, yes. Actually. Uh, I may or may not be old enough to remember the film strip in school when they would have to... I would love to thread the film of the film strip. That was... uh, Obviously. (laughs) Listen, I'm 87 years old. Look at me. Keltaline says, Did Jaden Smith get slapped by the Karate Kid reboot? Uh, I have a whole thought about the Karate Kid reboot, by the way. Why do they call it Karate Kid? Karate is Japanese. And he's training with Jackie Chan in Hong Kong. In the Karate Kid movie. He's not learning karate. He's learning Kung Fu from Jackie Chan. Why they call it Karate Kid? That is the dumbest thing ever. And I wonder if, yeah, imagine Jaden shows up in the, the Cobra Kai series. But it's the dumbest thing ever to have it be called the Karate Kid. They should call it the Kung Fu Kid. Just call it the Kung Fu Kid. Kung Fu Kid. Hard? No. Easy. Yeah, I, you know, I've run into Jaden Smith many times in Los Angeles, as you do. Just don't go to Air One. I actually ran into Willow Smith at Air One recently. In uh, listen, it's no secret they live in Calabasas. Celine says we ran into an issue at the middle school where I taught when a band teacher sub lessons were planned showing every class the movie Ray without censoring or explan- explanation the movie Ray with Jamie Foxx you want an Oscar she give me money <clears throat> yeah 
Jamie Foxx. He said, uh, blame it on alcohol. Blame it on alcohol. Jamie Foxx. We like him. He's cool. He saved Dave Chappelle's life the other day. You may or may not be happy about that. But Dave Chappelle got attacked by a dude with a knife on stage while Dave Chappelle was performing at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, Jamie Foxx said, pow, 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 pow. He said, no, how is pow, pow. Gave this guy gave this guy two left arms, let's just say. And uh, at the end of the night, at the end of the day, it turns out the assailant, the guy who tried to attack Dave Chappelle, or who physically did attack Dave Chappelle, is now accused of attempted murder for someone else like six months ago because someone else that he stabbed, this guy actually stabbed a human being before. He succeeded at stabbing a human, attempting to kill him. That victim recognized the dude who attacked him and said, oh, that's the guy. So, if you are an attempted murderer, do not run on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. You will be identified by your victims. That's the lesson. And I'm just a sub today. I don't know. What is the teaching normal? Uh, yeah, our teacher doesn't give us homework. Remember you'd lie? I wouldn't lie. I would just let it happen. I was uh, complicit in the lying when there was a sub. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do work. But there was always that kid that'd be like, are we going to do this assignment? And you're like, shut up. Shut up. We're trying to get out of homework. Agent man, I've been singing that song wrong my whole life. You know, another sub got fired because she kept showing students her recent appendicitis scar. Yeah, as you do. Was it biology class though, Keltaline? Because if you're in biology class, that's just a lesson. You're just learning a lesson. Wesley Plotke says, hey, Ari, have you listened to the Mr. Morale yet? No, what's Mr. Morale? Is Mr. Morale a... Is that a... Is that a... Rock and roll? Because I like rock and roll. Hey, Wesley, what song by Pearl Jam do you want to hear? <laughs> I got something in my hair. Oh, I collect things. I walk around outside right now and everything's falling off the trees. I come inside. I look like I'm from Midsummer. I look like when she's got the thing on her head, she's got the fly. I look like that after I go outside for five minutes right now. I'm on Long Island and everything's falling off the trees. I got an eye infection. I got like a pollen eye or something. I've got like a allergy infection in my eye, which is just wonderful. You, you want to, you love it. The new Kendrick Lamar albums, Mr. Morale and it's Big Steppers. I have not. I've seen the video for the one song, and and it's cool. It's a cool video. I like it. It's creepy. He's doing deep fakes of all these other famous people, and you're like, wait a second, Kendrick Lamar, you're making me think, Kendrick Lamar. You're making me think. 
And I don't like to think, but you're making me do it. Here's a Pulitzer Prize. We love Kendrick around here. Um, remember this one? That one puts me to sleep. Um, so if everybody wants to go to sleep, listen to this song. Listen to the album Yield. Also, listen, I'm always going to make fun of the albums by Pearl Jam, but... Uh, this is my favorite song, Bob. Uh, yeah, that's it. This is my favorite song by Pearl Jam in the last <clears throat> 25 years. That's the best Eddie Vedder song since, uh, I don't know, I don't really like, uh, uh, um, can I, if you do any Pearl Jam song, you should do Jeremy, says Wesley Plotky. Well, Like, it's kind of a weird song on guitar. I should do an arrangement. You're right. I can do an arrangement by them on that. Oh, Pink Moon is a good song. Pink Moon by Nick Drake. That, that one goes like this. I don't know the and the people remember when I was talking about that major to minor thing that's what Elliot Smith does that's a song called uh Yep. Between the bars. It's a good song. Uh, Come Clean by Pearl Jam. I don't remember that song. Let me hear it. I know it. I know the title. 
come clean. Uh, Pearl Jams by Hilary Duff. Oh, yeah. Close enough. Well, why don't we learn that one? If you have any requests, I'm happy to try to play them. Not sure. They have a song called Come Back. Are you talking about Just Breathe? Because I think... Yeah, I think you're talking about Just Breathe. Crash test dummies. I don't know how he he mms. Do you mean the twelve m's song? You know the twelve m song. That's a fun one. Was there was a boy who didn't get chased with the boys in the boys' room? <laughs> I mean, it's a dumb song. I mean, it's a song. I think it's just weird. Spin doctors? No thanks. Goodbye. Pass. Hard pass. You know, they just played last weekend on Long Island. <laughs> the spin doctors just played here. Uh, here on Long Island. I think it was the Montauk Music Festival. But no Spin Doctors, thanks. It's okay. You can keep your Spin Doctors. <laughs> uh, marry him, marry me. I'm the one that loved you, baby, can't you see? I ain't got no future or family tree. What a bad song. Ugh, it's catchy, though. Oh, boy, is it catchy. I could barely play this one, uh, which is a... <laughs> I get knocked down and I get I get knocked down and I get up again. Never won't get me down. I get knocked down and I get up again. Never won't get me down. I get knocked down, down and I get up again. Yep, I don't like it. Uh, spin doc. It's better than a jam band. Do you mean Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam writes songs though. Here's a difference. Here's a distinction. We're going to make this distinction here, right here on Aristotle Full Throttle. Get your pens and papers. Get your pencils and pads. Let's talk about what the difference is between a jam band, like a terrible band, like Fish, and an actual band band, which is a band, like Pearl Jam. So Pearl Jam, they're a band that jams. Are they a jam band? No. Not technically, because they have songs. Songs that are good. Now you sit there and you listen, try to listen to fish, try to listen to a fish album. If you cut all the noodling out and you try to listen to the song, you, you want to just jump in a lake. You just want to stick your head in a, in a barrel full of hydrochloric or sulfuric acid. That's, that's a, that's a fish song, I think. Uh, Chumbawamba, Spin Doctors, uh, yeah, we're playing all the hits today. So the difference between, that I always make, the distinction between a jam band and an actual band is uh, an actual band writes songs, and those songs are coherent in the, of, of themselves. You could sing the song, sing the tune, the melody, the verse, the chorus, the A-A-B-A structure, whatever structure it is, and say, hey, that's actually a song. And then you've got bands that just go like this all day. 
just 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 poke my eyes out already. Just 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 go ahead and uh, pour, you know, molten lava in my ear holes. Um. Hard to play an acoustic guitar. Um, that song's a good song. Famously, it has no lyrics. That's the song Yellow Red. Band. Please, I'm sorry, Minigarfo. Hello, darkness, my old roommate. You left the eggs out on the... the again. Um, a mighty wind. I think you meant... I, th I think you forgot the D. Uh... <laughs> You know, I should I should know more of that stuff. I should know more of those. Everybody loves that. Everyone wants to sing along when you do that kind of stuff. I don't know. How about some Jimi Hendrix, anybody? How about some Maiden? Um... I'll play some Judas Priest. I don't remember how it goes though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait. Almost close. Wait, I got it. That's exactly it. breaking the law i'm really breaking the law right now i'm breaking the law breaking the law i did david grace instrumental january rain cecilia that's an easy one you guys want to sing cecilia it's, it's like two chords i think i like paul simon because he does lots of chords you know paul simon's album graceland was supposed to be a reunion between him and art garfunkel you know i do art for art garfunkel's sake and art garfunkel they had a spat before the album came out, so then Paul Simon just erased all of Art Garfunkel's vocals and then did the harmonies himself. Because he was like, who really runs this ship, Art? You just got Garfunkled. Let's see. Yeah, Paul Simon was a little cruel on that. 
That was mean. You're breaking my heart. Let's see, how does it go? Chords. It's like two chords. It's a good song. That's a good song for sure. You guys like that? You like good songs? You like good movies? Are movies dead? I don't think so. I think the marketplace will dictate what movies are good. Oh, wait. This is the campfire. I'm the camp counselor. Everybody get ready to for me to try to figure out how to play this song. I don't know. That verse is kind of weird, though. I'm going to do a heavy metal version. I think that would be... killing me not all movies don't suck says i'm uncle ron i agree with you i think movies are fun i think if you go to the movies and you have a good time it, you, we have succeeded at making a good movie <laughs> i think that there are people who are pretentious and think that all of the uh good movies are nowhere to be found and now there's there's always good movies i want to see alex garland's new movie men i really do i love alex garland uh, Keltaline says, apparently you never want to sit near Garfunkel in the audience at a, a Broadway show. I, I, yeah, I never do. There's also, there's many reasons for that, Keltaline. I don't want to really sit in the audience of a Broadway show. Also, you probably don't want him sitting in front of you with that afro of his. I'm one to talk. Keltaline says, hey, did you see that Mulaney clip about Robin Williams? I've not seen that Mulaney clip. John Mulaney is hilarious. He's funny. He's a great writer. I can only take him in about two-minute doses. Because he's always like, hey, I'm talking, and I keep talking, and then I say something else, and then I go like this, and then I go over here, and I'm like, a bad, and then I just can't stop, and he just keeps going, and he just keeps saying things. And I feel like it's a barrage. I'm like, settle down there, John Mulaney. I have more of a laid-back approach. You don't ever stop. I did not see that clip. Send us the clip. Post that, please, in Discord on the cool story or whatever. Or, Yeah. But all movies don't suck. What happens is, right now, all of the movies that are good, right now, 10 years from now, we'll be like, oh, the movies were so great 10 years ago. I think, actually, the early 2000s was pretty bad for movies in general. <laughs> I think people were trying to do the next big thing. It might have been like the millennium effect. Or, as Will Smith calls it, the millennium slap effect. The millennium effect. I think a lot of people thought, hey, why don't I try to reinvent movies? You know, there's this thing called the wheel. I'd like to reinvent that. What else do we got? What else you got for me? Any requests? Any, uh... 
My eye feels like it's popping out of my head. I've got allergies or whatever it is. It's just I've got an I've got conjunctive itis. I got the itis of the eye. E Y E Tis. That's what I have right now. It hurts. Do not get the itis. Try not to, anyway. So I just agree with our friend James Gray. He says, movies, corporations. It, he, James Gray told us today, we learned a lot. He said, hey, it turns out corporations want to make a lot of money. Thank you for that. This isn't news. Thank you, and goodbye, and good night, and we're done, and stop it. He said that, though, with, like, you know, glasses on, and he did some hand gestures, so it was very... You should take it seriously. That's that's why people... There are people in this world, and I'm finding out this more and more. I think of myself as just some guy, right? And then there's people out there that think of themselves as, I must bestow upon you knowledge and, and wisdom. Let me just tell you how it is. And there's people who truly are like that. And I'm just like, listen, there's nothing new under the sun, bro. We're just trying to make it through the day here and there's some people like let me be as pretentious as i can get let me wave my hands around and say things with certainty so that you listen to me maybe i should do that more maybe people more more people will hire me send me money i've got the answer only me Cult of personality. Hearts and Bones by Paul Simon. I know that song, yeah. I do. Yeah, Penny. Kelton Lean says Christian Bale might actually give us an epic MCU villain. Listen, Kelton the Lean, I seen the poster. I can't wait for the movie. You're talking about Thor Love and Thunder. Alright? I'm not gonna watch any more trailers. Not watching any more trailers before the movie because I'm already sold. When they said they were making a sequel to Thor Ragnarok with the same group of folks, I said yes. I said I bought my ticket already. So I don't need to know anything about that movie going into it. That's it. So I'm warning you with peace and love, peace and love. I'm warning with great power and furious anger. I don't want to know anything. About Thor, Love and Thunder. I just don't. I'm already on board. It's going to be great. The way that they're promoting it, I know that the studio's like, oh, we got a hit right here. We got a hit on our hands. Let's put the budget into the promotion. Um, Cha-cha-cha, real smooth. Looks delightful. Yes, there's going to be plenty of avenues for independent films. People are going to be able to make movies on their iPhones. People are going to be able to continually put out content look at this i do this every day five days a week monday through friday you can also subscribe like this video if you're watching on youtube also follow me on twitch subscribe on twitch if you're watching the video on demand I pre- i'm not caught up on better call Saul. <laughs> i'm not caught up on anything listen let me let me uh full disclosure actually partial disclosure i'm here on long island for reasons okay uh there are reasons i'm here and those reasons are, uh, are preventing. There, there's no other. There's no other priority for me right now, to be honest. So, this is a. My priority is, you know, the show, and what I'm doing here on Long Island. So, 
I will catch up. I promise. I really, I do want to catch up on Saul. I said that to myself the other day. I was like, I got to catch up because me and my brother like that show. We like me and brother Ricky. We like that show. We also like Breaking Bad. So I got to, when is the season finale? The series finale? When is the series finale? When do I need to be caught up by? I'm Uncle Ron. Let me know when I need to be caught up by because then I will. I will do it, and we'll watch the finale if we can, if I'm around. If I, if I'm, yeah. <laughs> Kelton Aline just gave us her catchphrase. We got to get a recording of you saying it, Kelton so I can play that clip. I can't help it. <laughs> hey, Kelleen, are you trying to spoil something? I can't help it. <laughs> That's the catchphrase. Killeen, we got to get you like, should we get you like a bow on your head or something like, or something like, uh, you got to have like a, like an avatar. You know what I mean? I can't help it. Maybe a funny sweater, you know? Um, mittens, you're wearing oven mitts. I can't help it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. You get your Yeti working. Uh, now get the egg out of here. <laughs> the F. Oh, get the F out of here. Get the egg out. I was like, get the egg. I'm hungry. I would like to have that egg scrambled. Keep the egg here. Scramble it. And I'll, I'll eat it. Maybe poach it. Poach it and put on a piece of toast. I'm Uncle Ron says, the midseason was last night. Okay, the midseason. So, you know what? I'm Uncle Ron. If it's airing on Monday nights, I'm going to try to catch up. I got to watch like seven or eight episodes. I'm halfway through season five. I think I could do it. I think I could do it. Maybe I'll, maybe this weekend I'll hang out with brother Ricky and we will marathon everything up until the mid season. If brother Ricky's listening, that's what we're going to do. July 11th is when the show comes back. Okay, cool. So I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. Cool. I will be caught up by July 11th. That is a pledge I make to you, not like Amber Heard makes a pledge to the ACLU and doesn't donate. I will actually do it. See how I just burned Amber Heard? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish up the show with some Amber Heardness nonsense because I do not like this person because I feel they have victimized another person and that is not that is not okay in my book that is just not okay um i was listening to a recording that today just this afternoon of amber heard and johnny johnny being his calm mild-mannered self in the recording every time pretty much maybe he gets a little angry he says i don't like when you do this and i don't like when you do that he's not saying you suck He's not saying I hate you. He's never, ever, listen very closely to those recordings. He never says an insult. He says, I don't like when you do this. I don't need your sarcasm. I don't need this right now. He just says always that <laughs> this is how he reacts to her constant barrage of, of uh, antagonistic comments and abusive comments. Now, I'm listening to this recording, and it just reminds me exactly if you have been in this situation, and I hope you haven't, 
But if you have, and you listen to any of those recordings of Amber and Johnny, you immediately can tell who the abuser is in that situation. And I know it might be hard to wrap your head around if you haven't been in that situation. You might be like, why did he stay in that situation? Why was he attracted to this person? What kept him there? She sounds like she's screaming and crying and just, and it's like, she's being manipulative and he is trying to get away from a manipulative, abusive person in all of these recordings. He's like, I need to get away from this situation. And she's like, I need to control you and keep you here. This is basically her tactic. So she throws things at him. She physically assaults him. She calls him all kinds of names because she's addicted to this cycle, this abuse cycle. Perhaps she had some trauma as a child. She had some things. But I believe that she is a soulless individual. She is uh, a vessel. I think the reason why she strikes you as, strikes me as uncanny on the witness stand when she's trying to tell these stories of being traumatized. I don't believe she was ever traumatized. I don't. This is my opinion. This is my thought. This is my expert opinion, having been in a situation very similar to this. Very similar. Except without all the money and all the drugs. <laughs> but it was uh, just listening to those tapes. I'm like, wow, I remember this. I remember wanting to leave the situation and, uh, and just, uh, just constantly being, uh, when someone's just trying to instigate you and you just don't, do not ever take the bait. They just, they get more and more, um, more and more aggressive, more and more antagonistic. And it's, it's just harsh and sad and ridiculous. And Johnny Depp in this particular recording is talking about how Amber was screaming because Johnny had spilled wine. And he said, I spilled wine on you. And she's, and she was screaming or they were talking about how she was screaming in front of Johnny Depp's son. And he said, look, my son, Jack was freaked out that you were screaming so much. He hasn't been around someone who has been that, you know, has been you know it's freaked him out that you were screaming and she was just minimizing it see this is the problem with people like this she minimizes any of her bad behaviors and then focuses on johnny depp focuses on the other person and says everything that's wrong with them is the problem and the reason they do any bad behavior bad behaviors is because of the other person and the reason and she's just sort of disregards the fact that she might have traumatized a, a young boy by screaming and the young boy had not been in a situation like that before. She just minimizes it. She's like, yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, now I was involved with a person who would do certain things like this, where I'd say, Hey, look, you're not only screaming at me in this situation, but all of the other people in this room are also experiencing your rage and your venom right now. <laughs> do you have any idea how this might be affecting the people around you right now? And they were just like, oh, yeah, anyway, they don't. They don't know. They don't care. They don't actually have any single concern outside their own self. And uh, this is what I see in Amber Heard. She doesn't have any care about anything but herself and her own ambition. And it's really infuriating. And I hope Johnny wins. I really do.
because this is what was really upsetting about the recording. Every time Johnny said, hey, look, you know, it was really upsetting for my son to have you screaming around him. She immediately starts to lean into what's going to hurt Johnny the most. And what's going to hurt Johnny the most? She says, you're a horrible person. You're just, you're, you're not a nice guy. You're, she's literally telling him all of this stuff because she knows, because she's a manipulator. She knows that this is going to hurt him the most. She knows by telling a guy who clearly has spent his entire life, at least his image anyway, as a nice guy, ever by all reports, as a kind, giving, caring, nice guy, by all reports and his donations to charities and his appearances as charities. And it seems like this is a very, very important thing to Johnny, to be a nice person. So what she does to try to stick the knife into his side and twist it is to tell him he's not a nice person. And that is, you gotta, you gotta trust me, you gotta believe me, <laughs> that what you hear when you are someone who has been in that situation is someone just trying to stick a knife in the side and twist it and just hurt Johnny in the way that she knows is going to hurt him because he is a nice guy. And he spent his life trying to be nice and kind. Maybe not trying. Maybe this is something he values and it's very important to him to be nice and kind. So when she says that to him, it's the worst thing you can say to someone like that. It's the worst thing you can call someone who values being um, a good person. Because <laughs> she's not a good person. It's really sad. It's really... It's really and. She's never wrong about anything. That's an indicator. Every single question she's asked, she's never wrong. She's never, or she never admits fault about anything. When someone never admits any faults at all, and she doesn't admit to any faults, this is a red flag. Listen to her entire testimony. Not once will she admit to having any fault. And I think it's a really important tactic for Johnny's team to point that out. That, hey, Johnny has admitted, admitted to many things. The one thing he can't stand is being called an abusive person. This is the worst thing you could call a person who is not. It really is. Just just gets under my skin. Calzaline says, I have an official ACL t-shirt with Olivia Wilde on the front. She knows how to handle her le legit... S-H, sugar, honey, iced tea. You know, interestingly enough, Kate Moss is probably going to take the stand. Kate Moss and Johnny Depp were involved with one another. They were in a relationship years ago. And the only reason she's going to take the stand, because she was originally told that she shouldn't take the stand, that she couldn't, for relevance issues. Johnny wanted to bring Kate Moss to the stand the judge was like, it's irrelevant. But because Amber Heard brought up an article, she's like, I saw something about Kate Moss being thrown down the stairs by Johnny Depp. Now she's fair game. <laughs> now, because, because she was introduced into the, the narrative of this situation by Amber Heard, they can actually go, okay, Johnny Depp threw Kate Moss down the stairs. All right, well, now we can call Kate Moss and she can verify that for us or not. And apparently Johnny and his team were like, 
happy about this because they were like, clearly this didn't happen. You know, I imagine they say that this didn't happen. And uh, when, if and when Kate Moss takes the stand, it will be hopefully vindicating personally for Johnny in some way. But I can get behind the idea if, if anyone were to ever like call me or say something like, I, I do value being kind and good. I value that. Captain America is my favorite superhero for a lot of reasons. Because he's always going to try to do the right thing. And whether or not you think that's corny or cheesy, get out of here. I don't care. It means a lot to me. So if you were to accuse me of something that was horrible, you best believe uh, I would fight back. Because I would want you to prove it. Show me. I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. I promise you. You know, recently that did happen to me. Someone, like, sort of accused me of, uh, of a certain thing and then, like, tried to collect evidence from the show. They tried to collect evidences from the show to support their claim, and I was like, go jump in a lake. Anybody can watch this show and deduce for themselves whether or not they think that. Go ahead. Try me. Is Brother Ricky the guy from Orphan Black? No, Brother Ricky's my brother, Ricky. guys ladies and girls and folks of non-binary identification it's time to go but i'll see you tomorrow i'm spent i am spent oh i could have done it right Bye, guys.